0: The golden age of travel is back in the Palm Beaches. As America's first resort destination, the Palm Beaches are the gentler side of Florida, waiting just for you. From Jupiter to Boca Raton, sun-kissed sands embrace the warm Gulf Stream waters. Our vibrant blend of people, cultures, and coastal towns welcome everyone. So we invite you to join us. Experience the original, the one, the only, the Palm Beaches. Plan your trip at thepalmbeaches.com. This is a new season of double century on a cricketer who never became professional. Mahubala Achawal is his name, but he prefers to be called Archie. We don't know how talented he was because we never got to see him play, but there are certainly stories that he was good back in the day. But instead of representing Afghanistan, he fought for his life, his country and his freedom. This is the story of the Shahid Afridi of Kansas. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live. Because you shouldn't have to change teams, even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Farman was Archie's young cousin. He was an older son, a happy kid, and good at school and loved by kind of everyone. When Farman joined first grade, he became the top student in his class, just like Archie had. Farman was a very confident young boy of course, also like Archie. People said that Farman was going to go far, which they had once said about Archie as well. Farman was just one of those young kids that people are drawn to. He looked older than his years, he could have passed for a teenager despite being only 10. He just looked like a kid with all the answers. He would stroll around Marawara dressed in his leather jacket as if the whole village wasn't a war zone, but some computer game that only he knew the code for. Archie adored Farman. Archie tells a story about the night Farman came running into his home, telling everyone he had just want to fight. Archie's grandfather reacted like a Pashtun warrior. He praised him on his victory and told him how proud of him he was. But Archie took Farman aside to speak to him alone. He explained that going around beating people up wasn't the best way, that he had to be smarter, that he had to be better. Archie was trying to break the cycle. His people, the Mamon tribe, the Pashtun people, were soldiers. But as he told Farman, they could be more than that. Archie already believed that he would never break free, but he believed that Farman could. And one of the few joys that Archie had back in Marawara was watching Farman play cricket, partly because he was so good. One time, Farman promised Archie that he would score 50 runs in his honour. And he did. But it wasn't that he made the runs, it was how he made them that shocked Archie. Even as a young boy, Farman had the strength and technique to hit straight sixes. The other local boys, and men, Archie included, slogged across the line, Faman wasn't just another Afridi warrior with the bat. He had grace, skill, and temperament. He also helped Archie out. When Archie fell for a girl, he would use Farman as his go-between. And his personal shopper and his messenger. Despite the age difference, Archie would confide in him. It was his dream at that point to maybe one day get enough money to send Farman to London to study and escape. And the reason Archie thought he could afford this, perhaps, was because he'd signed up to be a soldier for the Afghan army in 2006. He did so in part to honour his family, but also because he had no job. His education had been stopped, and his world was at war again. Four months after training, he was on a bus to the Kandahar province. His battalion was supposed to be crossing from Helmand into Kandahar. They had sent out scouts before their move, because there had been suspicious activity on the road they planned to use. In one village, everyone seemed to be packing up to leave, and when asked why, they told the scouts that it was because the Taliban were hiding out nearby. The American and French forces found an alternative route through the desert, but the Afghan lieutenant colonel refused to travel that way, saying it would take three hours longer and the rough journey might ruin their equipment. When the Afghan's convoy entered the village, they were attacked. Archie arrived in the village in the day after the attack. With no chance of an airstrike, his battalion was trapped there for three days. Archie's job included negotiating ransoms for the bodies of the deceased. There were over 20 dead soldiers. No one had even bothered counting how many dead Taliban as well. The thing is that Archie saw this all as a game. He said he once managed to hold a checkpoint for three months, when usually it changed hand every other week. He kept stats on how often they were attacked, and when the Taliban rang him up before a raid in the hope that he would turn and run, He would goad them like a boxer at a weigh-in. He quickly became a sergeant. For him, the dark side of the war wasn't death. He wasn't really afraid of that. It was the corruption that bothered him. Once, when he was in charge of a checkpoint, a suicide bomber made all the way through security. Archie knew he had been let through by other soldiers who had asked to be transferred out, but whom his commander had decided to put in the most important positions. In fact, it was the corruption that made Archie think he might leave the army. But the problem is that astronauts don't quit. In his family, they said a quitter once is a quitter for life. And so one night, the Taliban attacked one of the checkpoints that Archie was looking after. The soldiers protecting it fled without a fight, leaving not only a checkpoint in Taliban hands, but also an SPG-82 rocket launcher and 60 rockets. It was a terrible mission to try and take the checkpoint back. But Archie put his hand up. As they approached the checkpoint, his lieutenant got scared and fled the Taliban saw them coming and attacked. The firefight was messy and unpredictable, but it got worse when bullets started flying at Archie from behind. He believes his lieutenant had gone back to the forward operating base, and to cover for his own cowardice, he had told them that the rest that he had been with had changed sides and now were fighting with the Taliban. Archie was being shot at by two enemies. Both of them were Afghans. Somehow he and his team survived, and they made it back to their base, where Archie was stopped and shown that he was bleeding. Three bullets had gone through his vest. A year into his time with the Afghan army, Archie served under Major Diego Devilla of the Puerto Rican National Guard. Devilla saw some important things in Archie. Fearlessness, serenity in the face of danger, and good spoken English. Archie also spoke Urdu, Dari, Farsi, and Pashto. He was an ideal candidate to be a translator for the Americans. De Villa wrote Archie a letter of introduction, and soon he was a translator for the 82nd Airborne Army Division. Archie liked the Americans better than he did his own army. He felt there was no corruption there, and that the soldiers were well-trained and had good discipline. And he also felt that by working for them, he could save the lives of even more of his own countrymen. His father, however, wasn't as sure. He knew that Archie could do good with the Americans, but he was also naturally suspicious of outsiders. Eventually, they came to an understanding that as long as Archie was trying to protect his country, his father would accept it. But it wasn't long into his new job that Archie started hearing via friends and family from Rahman, the leader of the Shadow Army. Mohibullah, son of Hadibullah. I remember him. Tell him to quit his job. And if he doesn't, one day he will end up under my wing. Perhaps this should have worried Archie. But to be fair, it was pretty common for anyone who worked with the Americans to receive threats. But there are also phone calls from Rahman to Archie's father directly, asking him to hand over Archie to the Shadow Army. But Archie didn't know about this at the time, because his father didn't tell him. One day when back home, Archie asked his nine-year-old brother to go to the store and get him a drink. On his way back, several men in masks holding guns stopped the boy. They asked him who he was taking the drink for. When he answered, they slapped him and told him to pass a message to Archie. We'll see you soon. His brother ran home crying. In March 2010, Pakistan's Interior Minister, Raymond Malik, announced that Quari Zia Rahman, the Shadow Army Chief, and Archie's former Quran teacher, was killed in an airstrike on Pakistan soil. However, it was not the first time that his death had been announced. Years earlier, when Archie and his family still liked Rahman, there had been rumours of his death then also. Archie's grandfather had been so sad at that time that such an upstanding man had been killed. But on both occasions, Rahman was not dead. Instead, he had started training and equipping women to hide bombs under burkas for suicide attacks that were nearly impossible to prevent. Rahman had definitely been captured by the ISI at one point in Pakistan, but instead of being handed over to the Americans and ending up in Guantanamo Bay, he was given back in a prisoner exchange program. This is not the sort of person you want targeting you. And Archie wasn't specifically targeted. In fact, Rahman and his shadow army used the Taliban force and fear to go after anyone who worked for the government or was seen as a US sympathizer. Rahman didn't want Archie to be dead because of a personal grudge. He wasn't upset that he told him the Quran and he was now working for the US or anything like that. He was just trying to kill and intimidate another what he saw non-believer. Oh, and just to show what an incredible figure Rahman was, years later there would be another announcement that he was dead. And shortly after that he would rise again and friends and family and colleagues of Archie would disappear. Rahman was not just the leader of the Shadow Army, he brought a shadow with him. Thanks for listening to Double Century. This podcast was made entirely possible by our supporters at Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Sports Social Podcast Network.